No one thinks it a good idea to treat people as if they were objects. We do not defend this even when we distrust notions of personal autonomy or tolerate blatantly hierarchical relationships. For on any understanding of what it is to be human, people are not things. We talk of objects as inanimate or immovable, and the power we most commonly attribute to them is that of being able to block activity. We may, of course, love our things. As Henry James warns in The Spoils of Poynton, we may come to feel more attached to the objects with which we surround ourselves than the people among whom we live. But objects remain objects, to be used, looked at, rearranged, traded, and perhaps ultimately thrown away. Complaints about being treated as a thing have featured extensively in feminist writings, particularly as regards prostitution, pornography, and marriage, and in the analysis of advertising, the beauty industry, and film. The most persistent complaint is that women are treated as objects for someone else's, man's, satisfaction, or that women are stabilized as objects, to adopt Simone de Beauvoir's evocative phrase. There is often an associated argument to the effect that women then come to see themselves in the same light, that they accept the designation as object and participate in thinking of themselves in this way. In this argument, it is not just being treated as an object, passed on like a commodity, or regarded as someone's property that is the problem. It is that this can encourage you to think of yourself in a thing-like way. Being an object, a commodity, and an item of property are not the same thing, and there will be some teasing apart of these different notions in the course of this book. There is a close enough connection, however, to alert us to an immediate puzzle. While no one wants to be regarded as an object, many like to think of themselves as self-owners, like to see themselves, that is, as in a relationship of ownership to their bodies and selves. For the devotee of self-ownership, the rights we enjoy over our bodies closely parallel the rights the archetypical owner of property has over things. The right to bodily integrity, for example, can be refigured as the right to determine who has access to the body, in ways that mimic the rights a landowner has to exclude trespassers from his property. The freedom to sell one's labor— or to use Karl Marx's more precise terminology, one's labor power, can be treated as a version of the freedom any property owner might claim to decide for herself when and to whom to sell. For a small but growing minority, the actual body can also be regarded as an object available for trade. Either the entire body, mortgaged off in anticipation of one's future demise, or those bits of the body, spare eggs, spare kidneys, we can currently manage without. In one representative comment, because you own yourself and your labor, you must have the right to use your body and labor in any way you see fit consistent with the rights of others. So if you want to sell your sexual services, you have a right to do so. If you want to sell your organs, you should be free to do so. If you want to take recreational drugs, it's your mind and body to do with as you see fit. 
In this discourse, claiming property rights in the self is not represented as capitulation to a thing like status. To the contrary, it is presented as protection. I am a free agent, hence the very opposite of a thing, to the extent to which I can claim ownership over myself.